Welcome back to the Mob Mentality Show. My name is Austin Chadwick and co-host is Chris Lucian. And uh, super excited to have some fun today with Eddie Bush. We're going to be hitting uh, some uh, topics core to us, uh, you know, benefits of improvements, uh, why we don't improve and how can we improve. And so before jumping into those topics, uh, Eddie, do you mind giving us uh, an introduction for yourself? Hey, yeah. Uh, my name's Eddie Bush. I've been in uh, software for a few decades. Last five or so years, I've been more into uh, uh, technical coaching uh, not well not really just coaching you know I, I do tech I do uh process I'm a little weak on product yet but I have I have aspirations right um but uh yeah so uh grew up in Unix and C a lot of Java uh more and 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 you know, now I do uh view angular re I just do it all like just especially if you put me in an ensemble let's just go like I don't care that's not that is not the obstacle. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Love it. Love it. Good stuff. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, ensembling, coding, awesome stuff. But today we're talking about benefits of improvement. So uh, what were you thinking here to, to get us uh, kickstarted? Yeah. You know, and so, again, like we were talking before things started, that the things have really tanked this year from the beginning of the year. And it's picking up a little bit with regard to change management and transformation. I think I think a lot of it is uh, there's uh, people don't really they don't really understand what they're getting. You know, it's like, uh, oh, if I pull on the TDD lever, you know, how far do I want to pull on that? How far do I want to pull on the continuous integration lever? What does that get me? Right. And and um, I, I more and more I tend to think of things through the lens of I'm a Dave Farley fanboy. I'm also a mob mentality fanboy, right? But um, uh, and and so you know if you go and, and Dave, I love Dave. It's always throwing the door report at people, right? And so what do you get? You get 44 percent more time spent on features, new features, fifty percent higher market capital, eight thousand times faster deployment lead time from the time you commit until the time you've got something live in prod, eight thousand times faster, right? Less time work working on security defects or change failure. Less time spent on unplanned work or things that rework. But you know, as technical people, we we tend to focus on these technical practices, and we focus in. We're like XP is the way, baby. And, and and it's not saying it's not, but but really, you know, I think it's important that that we keep a laser focus on. Like we're living a layer cake every day, right? And the base of it is technical responsiveness, but. I'm, on top of that, the, the reason that we care about that, the reason that's so critical is because really what we're trying to do is we're trying to lean into this product mindset, right? It's the product thinking. It's the, it's the product level that puts us in a market position or that, you know, that really, uh, it, that's where our competitive advantage is at, right? So uh, how, so you get rapid experimentation, and outcome, out, outcomes over outputs, right? Impact. You know, when we, when we talk about, um, we talk about, technical responsiveness or the things that go into that, I think we lose track of that a lot. Um, but then, I mean, that stuff's not even important, right? It's the stuff above that that's important is uh, retaining customers, right? This technical responsiveness, keeping a good product mindset means that we, we're serving our customers better. And the, the easiest thing you can do to get security in your business is to serve your existing customer base better, right? There's the there, there's the easiest ones to get more money out of, and of course you can. It makes it easier than if you're making them happy. You get word of mouth, you get more customers. So, um, yeah, I mean th these are. I think just the way that that we think about that right is is important. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I think, uh, you're kind of reaching to higher level meta things, but uh, I am going to be a code head a bit and bring it back to XP a little bit in that <laughs> what I've noticed is for customer retention, um, when every little piece you build, right, every little thing you you ship to production is of high quality, then you don't have that customer retention problem as much, right? Where if you're kind of racing to the next, the next big thing and you're kind of yes. leaving a mess behind you wherever you go going to make the customer retention story much harder uh, with that kind of quality <laughs> so, yeah you, you cannot yeah. you cannot have speed without quality they yeah. are they are not separate things right yeah. we know that now and and so absolutely so i'll diminish the importance of of practice but it's 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 that base and if you if you're building on a base of sand i mean what do you have you the house collapses right yeah uh, a lot of what you're talking about reminds me of the the fifth discipline and the example of the beer game and delayed side effects of side effects. And so, oh yeah, um, when when we're talking about causal loops and and second order effects, mm. uh, you know, you you can you have like the short term thinking of maybe uh, low quality, but high feature output leads to higher sales growth, but then like blows up your customer turnover, right? Mm -hmm. And, uh, and but that whole process takes a very long time. So somebody might be celebrated for switching to something that is lower quality and higher feature, uh, really feature frequency. But then when, you know, months and months and months later, when customers are flocking to a competitor, uh, then, you know, it, it's easy to just blame uh, the developers because they weren't building with quality or something along those lines. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, yeah, I really, I, you know, like for me, a lot of this comes back to the fifth discipline over and over again. And, um, you know, and, and especially this like, delay between cause and effect and and i often find that everybody's so focused on the here and now that um you know paying it forward to the future is very uh um very rare i think it's odd right because uh, a lot of people would consider themselves long-term thinkers but it, it's hard to um you know when you're when you're there and then and you're looking at like current day investment versus like with the expected benefit of high quality it's very fuzzy for people uh, yeah yeah well and, and 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 that works in the beginning right if you're talking about a new market and yeah. what you're really trying to do is just break in and give people something that mm -hmm. they're hungry for but then what happens is you you, you build something that is not sustainable and you can't continue yeah. that that uh, to do that and and of course you get you wind up in a mess. There's I, I can't think of all the the history lessons we've already had on that, but there are plenty of them. Um, but the the funny thing is, is the conversation just happens over and over and over again. And like I, yeah. I, I find you know just uh, of all of the you know kind of en engineering leadership roles that I talk to, it's you know oh I had I had a victory. I, I convinced everybody that that high quality is good, and then you know months later they're saying like oh well. Uh, I was pushed into lower quality and now it's causing more bugs. And that's just because uh, the demand on the role uh, has changed. And, and so I, I almost see this oscillation because, um, you know, it, it's kind of exactly what Fifth Discipline talks about. It's like, 
you know, you start investing in quality and you get some, some good stuff and, but, but people want things faster. And so then it, then it like goes down to low quality, but then the bugs come in and then it kind of goes up to high quality and, and low quality. And it just oscillates back and forth because there's like this like cost savings mentality versus this yeah. like investment and quality mentality. And they're constantly at war with each other. It's like taking vitamins, right? Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. when, 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 when you, when you've been taking your vitamins, you've been taking your supplements and you just do it, you don't really notice what they're giving you, but if you stop taking them, you're going to start feeling it. Right. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but but people people get and, and and so maybe this is a human thing. And I've heard you guys specifically too talk in the past about how you have challenges when there's changes in leadership and you got to like kind of do a little bit of retraining. Um, it's it's difficult for people to get because they're they're not thinking from a system perspective, right? They're thinking from how long does it take developers to do stuff. But if you look at the whole value stream, I mean, the the time it takes for developers to do stuff is like three to five percent of the value stream. Yeah. And I mean. How many times are, can, are, are you going to magnify that? And uh, how many times do you have to magnify to that to actually see some, some substantive, some measurable, worthwhile change, right? When if, if, but if, if, uh, if, you, if you double down on quality and let's say, let's say that the development went to 10%, well, how much did that shrink the value stream though? Because it probably took a lot of time out of the value stream. Yeah. But but people people obsess over the wrong things because we, we have this tendency. This is a human tendency to measure the things that are easy to measure instead of the things that are are valuable to measure. Right? This is yeah <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. I hear you. Yeah, and so I guess kind of coming back to the main topic a little bit. So you um, is this something you talk about when someone's about to go on a an improvement journey of some kind or, uh, you know, the benefits of improvement or, you know, you know what, what was your kind of uh, catalyst, I guess, for this topic? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think this is stuff that, that people need to hear, right? And, mm -hmm. and I don't know, people listen to different things, but this is, it, it is stuff that I try to coach people into. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. You know, or if I'm talking to a team or, or management, I, I and, uh, you know, the, the higher up the food chain you go, the higher up that, the, that set of layers you want to go, right? Because if you're talking to, well, the, the more senior management you're talking to, the more they're caring about, like, the stuff toward the top of the stack. You know, they're sitting there thinking, oh, man, you know, like, oh, well, our customers are pissed off because what our customers are angry, we're angry with us because we can't get such and so out. Like, oh, how do we do that? Right. And um, but it comes down to, as you were saying, Austin, it's in the minutia, the devil's in the details. And if you don't take care of those little things, they don't take you don't have anything having your back. When you work small with, with TDD, you're practicing things like continuous integration, you know constantly, like you might get broke for a couple of minutes, right? But you know constantly, like you're good, you're shippable, it's high quality, nobody's going to be. And 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 it's it's amazing. It's amazing. I, I It's always, it's interesting to me when like you sit down and you start helping people understand the value of test protection and refactoring and how to refactor and, and you know, create cohesion and, and, when when you show them what what good good testing enables in terms of responsiveness, you know it's amazing. It, the lights just come on, but people don't get it until uh, uh, it's it's. Uh, somebody said, um, "Oh, you, you you can't. It's not about drinking the Kool Aid. You've got to get infected by somebody. You know, you got you got to." Um, God, I'm saying this wrong. I can't think of the way it's phrased. You got to okay. catch it from somebody, right? And mm -hmm. so I think that's. 
that's why why coaching and you know especially being a player coach actually plugging in with people not following these big box recipes of we have the magic checklist that will get you there but just getting in and working with the team building rapport and you know meeting them where they're at and seeing what their real problems are and helping them through those there's so much there's so much reward in that, right? Yeah. Um, and, and it's it's powerful. Then they can actually see instead of like, oh, he's talking about this stuff that doesn't resonate with us. You're addressing the stuff that are there obstacles. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, I've I I, I don't have a, you know a ton and ton of experience, but I have tried out different ways of helping teams or companies improve you know, kind of from like a, you know, solidly like process mindset or a reliability mindset or, and um, kind of external to the team, like kind of part of the team, but more like, you know, on the outside. And I, I have to agree with you, the player coach model where you're like, you're in there in the weeds ensembling with them or something like that is incredibly addicting. And it'd be, it'd be hard for me to do anything else <laughs> to a certain degree. Um, but it, it's uh it because you can really you can really see the light bulb come on right mm -hmm. As it, and in a lot of the the barriers that you face when you're kind of inflecting ideas from the outside or process from the outside is that shared context uh it takes a long time to build up from the oh, outside. Man. yeah, <laughs> and, yeah was... and the one phrase i'll, I'll just say real quick because it just hit me that i heard recently was i think it's that like economy of trust right and you gain yeah. it in drips, but then it, it you can just knock it over and lose it real quick and the whole bucket will fall over, right? And so, mm -hmm. and I feel like that's really hard to maintain when you're not a player coach, right? You're playing oh, with them, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Go ahead. What absolutely. Were you gonna say? Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they don't get to experience your ability, right? That you have, you you come in, especially when you come in as a, yeah. so, so I, I've, I've been working with like Fortune 10 or 50 people, right? Uh, big companies and uh, and it, it's interesting like you know they're they're they, they've got different they're trying to get the most bang for their buck right so you come in and some of them have this idea that that you can scale things so oh we'll have we'll have a coach work with people that want to be coaches and those people will coach the teams and there's there's not enough skill transfer there's not enough rubber on on the road right direct contact and and so, and so now you've got now you've really screwed up because you've got people that you think are going to be coaching, and what you've done is you put them in an incredibly unsafe position, right? They don't have the, the enough of a variety of knowledge to be able to actually support their team, and so they they've got this huge imposter syndrome, right? And it, it's it's just a mess. So there's there's that or like the big box checklist. I don't know. Is it it's interesting to me how many. Of, of of all the people out there doing change management, how many bad approaches there are. And then you talk to like the tiny guys that are just, just like struggling to get going in change management. And they've, they've got it figured out. You know, it's like, let's go sit down and work with the team. And we're, we're gonna, we'll do that for like four to six weeks. And we'll document, we'll do it just like they do it. We'll document all the stuff that hurts. And then we'll get together with the team and we'll say, hey, here's the stuff. I think this is our priority order. What do you think? Let's come up with a plan. And what do they do? Then they work stuff one thing at a time, one thing at a time, right? Not five. And, it, and it's not a checklist. You, you don't checklist stuff. It's like you actually do stuff. I just stop working with the big boxes and go to the little guys because they know what's up. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, yeah. And I think, and, and that 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 might be kind of getting to your second topic a little bit, which is 
Why don't we improve? And, you know, it was funny, you know, me and my wife were talking about, what were we talking about? We were talking about something last night where we were saying that <laughs> a lot of people, and including ourselves, when we want to improve in something, we'll often go to something that is completely unrelated, but feels like you did something, right? <laughs> like, um, I have this problem with these people I'm working with, so I'm going to completely move them to a completely different office location. And it's like, it's going to be like the same people working in the same way, you know what I mean? And so it's like, but something feels good about like buying something or doing something dramatic that like you're, oh. you're helping the situation, right? And reorganizing uh, the uh, deck chairs on the titanic i think yeah 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 exactly it's like the the core issue is not addressed but you've changed something dramatic in the system so it feels like you feel good about it, like you you're mm -hmm. you're addressing it or something i don't know <laughs> i've i've had a lot of stress in my life and last night i was thinking i want to go get some ice cream or or a donut like oh well, that sounds good you know and mm -hmm. i'm by the way i'm on a weight loss journey i was 270 not long ago and i'm 234.8 now right so and so i'm sitting there thinking mm, man you know apple fritter that sounds and and so that would have made me happier in the moment but it would have gone against my goal right like yeah. it wouldn't have helped it damn bit mm. um yeah yeah you, you know it's it's interesting like i think part of the reason that we did well Every reason that we do it, every reason that we do bad stuff or we, we don't improve, it comes down to knowledge, right? Like we don't have knowledge. We don't know what the real problem is. And so we can't know what some some good candidate things are to try, right? We don't know what a continuous improvement journey looks like. We don't we don't know how to how to work in small steps and get someplace. People don't know these things. They, I know it seems it sounds like like they don't know that they don't know that. People don't, but um, so there's, there, you've got all this cultural and behavioral inertia in a place, right? Like you've got the system that's entrenched and, 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 and we've got this, just this, um, this nervous energy pushing us forward, doing the same stuff. And, and, and the weird thing is that people accomplish some things and they feel like that means that they're successful and 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 so well they were successful and they did the stuff to get that success so it must that must be the stuff that made them successful right they can't picture that that's the stuff that's holding them back from being more successful <laughs> like yeah so, so um and 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 you know it's it's interesting when you, you go across uh, as as I've gone to different clients and worked with different groups it's so interesting like people people uh, that I could throw out a thousand buzzwords right now about different technical practices and techniques and stuff, and we would probably be all all on the same page. We would have extremely similar definitions, and that's the reason why we're successful in in our personal practice because it's those definitions that work together to help make it successful, right? But but people create their own definition. They they're doing something that they feel like is similar, and they see a definition, and they're like. Oh, that's that's what refactoring is. Oh, that's what technical debt is. Oh, that's that's what can or or you've got like vendors out there pushing words on people like oh oh you got you you got to have Jenkins to do continuous integration right or oh that's that's continuous like come on you know just like go figure out what this stuff really is and and so there's it, it, people just don't know. They don't know what intention revealing means and looks like. They need somebody to help them, right? And so it's a lack. It's a lack of knowledge. Um, and, and 
And most organizations do an incredibly horrible job of communicating strategy so that if they ever did try to get to the point that they have more autonomous teams, like how would they know what to do, right? How would they know how to pivot together to, 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 to have like something larger than a single, a single team could do, right? Because that communication is incredibly, it, it's, it's non-existent or completely ineffective, right? And, um, very few companies do it well. And so it's it's a huge mess. Um, I mean, the, the, they do, they don't know what their strategic focus should be. They don't, and and so they don't know what their tactical responsibility right now is to try and get to whatever mm -hmm. that strategic outcome is. Right? They they just don't know. And and, a... and 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 people think that they're telling them, but they're not communicating in an executable way. Mm -hmm. um, or they're focusing on outcomes versus or outputs versus outcomes. Or, you know, the one I really like, and I know this will resonate with you guys, is they don't get lean flow dynamics, right? They don't understand, like, they're not system thinking. They're not thinking like, oh, oh, it is more effective to have three or five people working on one thing because we're getting five jobs done at once. And instead of creating the situation of handoffs and, and loops and rework and everything, it's just done when it goes out. I mean, they, you know, it's they're not used to that. And so they look at it and they see working this different way is ineffective. I, I, worked, for, I worked for a really great XP shop uh, several years ago. And it was really it was really nice because I had not yet in my career I had the opportunity to work for an XP shop. I'm self-taught. I grew up around people that didn't care and, and I cared. And so, you know, I learned all this stuff and it was really validating because I go to work for this shop um, as a contractor and I just fit right in. I knew how to do it. I was doing all this stuff, right? <laughs> it was really great. And we had so much, it was so much fun just sitting down and, and working with people, you know, and working with other bright people that you could just mash wits with all day long and come up with a better outcome. Very synergistic and, and uh, wow, it was just so great. But then uh, at a time later, the CTO left. The CTO was the one that brought the XP practice. And the new guy comes in and he's like, why do we have two people working on everything, you know? And and he he totally put it, he cast all that stuff. All the good people that knew anything left, right? The yeah. turnover went way up, quality went way down. And I don't know if they're even in business now, right? But yeah, uh, it's it's almost um, you know, I think good you know, entropy is is consistent in XP and it takes a lot of work to keep it going um i've noticed yeah. and and so you have any sort of turnover uh, if people are straight out of college they've never learned xp before if they've come from an xp shop and want to keep practicing xp uh it's it, you know that's a very rare candidate to have and uh and then you have a higher level management change and then and then pressure put, gets put on a team to then abandon it and so it, it's, um, yeah, it, it, even though, uh, I, I guess all of the common knowledge is, is out there, um, you know, I think Taylorism like still prevails, like, you know, from yeah. a management style and, uh, and so, sure. yeah. And, and, you know, I think that probably business classes are still teaching forms of Taylorism, like in, in different classes and things like that. So yeah. So it, it for me it it almost feels like it starts at the at the educa initial education level and then and then gets passed down through people that 
you know, it's very, very hard cycle to break and it's going to take, you know, probably decades more even to get there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, Austin. No, 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 please. You go first. I was just going to say, you know, it'd be great. Like if we could get more of a modern practice into uh, into universities and I know some universities are trying to lean into some things, but if we could get more in there. Um, and, um, I, I, I could see that as a way, you know, and, uh, I don't know, you know, you, you got guys like Bob Allen that are out there doing this stuff every other weekend, you know, well, not every other weekend, but, um, people out there, you know, and I've, I've, I've joined in with, you guys had, um, uh, Gregor Regler on the other day, right. Yeah. And then, um, so I, I, I haven't gone and played with them for a second, but that's fun. And then we've got a thing that we're, we started doing with, um, uh, Stephen Diamante and uh, Luca Leva and Cindy Turpin, which we've we've kind of we've kind of been missing as much as we've hidden, but starting to do a stream on Saturdays to kind of let people see what it what it's like to work together in an ensemble, the conversations and being able to like you know prioritize. So, but we need more of that, right? And we we need a way to like I don't know how you spur an interest in people that don't have one yet to help them. It's because really what we're saying is it, it starts with awareness, right? You've got to have an awareness, and then you can develop an intent to do something different. And but the awareness, that initial awareness, I don't know how we spark that um, in people that aren't already looking, who haven't already been sparked. Yeah. Right? It's usually an XP practitioner is somebody I think that it, well, it was, an XP practitioner is born when they uh, believe in continuous improvement, but uh, and are are proactive and have had a horrible experience in their existing environment. And it's like, I, I think that's like, that's typically, or, or they come from an already XP shop and, or, uh, and they started their career there. And what I've seen there is the grass is greener on the other side. They typically, they, they're more likely to leave an XP shop, even though it's a bad choice. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, these are, these are a couple of patterns that I've noticed just regarding that. So, really it's interesting. Yeah. Um, it's interesting well but then they come back and they're full jedis right yeah yeah exactly <laughs> we uh um, we had one um one of our like junior level developers ended up leaving and you know they did started their career with us and they're like oh yeah it'll be really interesting to see another environment and i'm like well you know if it doesn't go well then you know reach out or something and then uh you know later on they tell me that, that, that they became the like um basically the top trainer of test-driven development at their company because they're oh, yeah. because yeah. this person was the only person that knew about TDD across the whole company. And so mm. they, they actually became a change leader within their organization because of because they're, they were the only person that understood any of it you know, from being like a junior level developer for yeah. a couple of years yeah. at, at another environment. So I see that happen uh, actually more often than not in, in those cases. Yeah. It's actually kind of exciting. Yeah. Yeah. And and then of course I mean we can't forget safety right like yeah. when we're thinking about reasons that people don't improve um, because and and man I, when I, when I first when I first got into coaching um, I've always had great empathy for developers and teams right like because that's the environment that I lived in and I've I've made a practice of staying the hell out of management like I I I, I had people let me try it on and I was like yeah not for me too far away from code and um, but. But you know, it's interesting. Like if you if you if you really really start thinking systematically about things, um, you've you've got to develop empathy even for the leadership, 
right? Because they're 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 facing different obstacles that uh, they're the the uh, the tactical things that they're facing that make change difficult are different than it is at a team level, but the pressures are the same. Really, the pressures are the same, and and especially middle management. We love to crap about middle management, but I mean, think about the the spot that those poor suckers are stuck in, right? And and um, and so this uh, so this this is why you know if you don't have if a change initiative isn't driven from the top down if you don't have the people above you bought in your ability to affect change is going to be severely limited that's just how it is and and you know I, I had a again working for a Fortune ten company had a guy that was a, a mainframe graybeard guy did XP on the mainframe right and he was like yeah man I believe in TDD I believe in I believe in pairing. I don't know about the ensemble thing yet, but dude, you, got, you know, you got me. And, and, you know, and he was, he was, um, um, oh man, who's the story mapping guy? Um, uh, Jeff Patton. He's a big Jeff Patton fan. He's like, oh yeah, yeah. Story mapping. You know, I, I actually, my, I, we had to fire my agile coach. And so I turned into the technical and agile coach. Um, and, and so, you know, we're doing it all. And, uh, and so he comes in to stand up one day and he's like, Eddie, He's like, we don't have time for this. We got, we've just got to, we got to ship. And I'm like, hey, you know, we've been talking about this structure on board. And he's like, yeah, well, you know, I had a meeting with with my boss the other day, and he told me delivery is my top priority. You know, his by the way, his boss is the one that was the sponsor to bring the coaches in to transform. So, but but what he did is he he disavowed ownership of it, right? He made it the responsibility of the coaches. And so at the end of the day, we went through several different models that we had that had different. And, and at the end, we kind of fell into some player coaching, had a little bit more effect. But there's so much disorganizational um, uh, uh, cultural inertia there that, you know, what we wound up leaving because they weren't getting what they wanted. And um, but it came down to that. And, and the way the place they were pivoting into, though, uh, was uh, to make it put the put the pony on his back, right? Like, oh, this is your initiative. What do you want us to do, right? Um, which I think is important, you know, if because especially if you come in as an external person, you have you have no teeth. Right? You you got you can't do anything. All you can do is say, oh well, I don't know, guys. But what if we did it like this? What do you think? Can we try that? You know, <laughs> and sometimes they will, and a lot of times they won't. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think the the different parts of the system fighting each other, um, like diametrically opposed, sometimes within the same person, you know, from one day or one month to the other. Yeah, I've seen that a lot. And and so I was agreeing with what you were saying before. I think awareness is a is a problem, but of you know, kind of what you were talking about before with the empathy for leadership. Yeah. And um, you know, I've I've also been in places before where there is awareness that there's a problem. And that there's a better way to try out, yep. but there's this too busy to improve, kind of like the last story you you said, right? You know, or and, fear, or what's that? Or fear, like or fear. We, we, yeah, we yeah. don't understand yet the difference between an outcome and an output, and so we're yeah. fearful of not having of having our throughput drop. Exactly, exactly, yeah. And so I think uh, the the I I analyzed it quite a bit at a spot I was at before. And what it what it turned out to be was that there's just this chain of pressure, you know what I mean? And so, yeah. like, you know, me and my current team are experiencing pressure coming from this person. And then 
the more I learned, this person was experiencing pressure from this person. And then this person was get, And so it's like this chain of pressure. Sometimes it traces back to the customer. Sometimes it traces to shareholders, you know, or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And, and what I love about some organizations, maybe it kind of reminded me of that XP shop is where they, sometimes it's literally at the bottom, someone on the team stops it and says, you know, we're not going to let that rule us. You know what I mean? And sometimes it's higher up where someone stops it. Um, but in, until someone does that, it just seems to never go away. And anything you try to improve will, will quickly vanish. <laughs> but I, I was curious about what's your take on all that? Like, what have you seen help organizations get out of this chain of pressure cookering? <laughs> I mean, that's, that's a good one. I think that's yeah. something I'm, I'm still learning, dude. Yeah. You know, um, <laughs> I, I, and so, so what I do is I go in, I, I try to talk about uh, the Western culture study. And 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 talk to them about um, um, uh, outcomes versus outputs, and and you know local versus uh, more uh, a larger scope of change, and um, um, I, I really uh, to to me I, I want people to understand that there's a difference between outcomes and outputs, right? That that some things we we can measure the impact of, and some things are just stuff that we did. And, and, and if you can get focused on that, you can usually, you can cut a little bit, of, at least a little bit of noise out and open up a little bit of space. Um, but, uh, you know, you, you really need you, there. So, so there's that, but then there's also, you know, just helping people understand, like, if you want, if you, if you ever want it to be better, you must create space because the only way that you're going to make anything different is you've got to get into consistent um, deliberate practice. You got to do deliberate practice. You got to iterate on it. You got to build proficiency, and then you can be in a better place, right? So if you if if you can cut some chaff out, if you can identify the chaff from the wheat, and you could cut some chaff out, then you know you can create a space for things like deliberate practice, so that you can really build yourself into a better tomorrow. But you got to make the space. You if if, if you're going to flirt with it, you might as well just save your money and send all the coaches home. Right. Yeah. Because forget it. No. I, and, and this is this is this is a big, big company problem, too. It's like, you know, I, I was this one shop literally was talking to like this, this uh, pretty high up middle manager. And uh, that was over uh, a team that I had previously coached and, and we had problems moving things. And I was, I was talking to this person and I was like, well, I was like, well, well, um, you know, we we've been working on this thing. Uh, trying to get people to to understand like code smells, and there's been a lot of work that goes into this, and and we made it easier and easier for them to to get into, and we lowered it down to where it was like it was just like five hours a week for them, and they still couldn't do it. And here, this person is saying, well, you know, we just need to make it easier for them. We need to make it, you know, like make it to where they can spend like five minutes here and there on it. I'm like, so that doesn't work, and it's scientifically proved that it doesn't work. And and you know what we what we need like this this group is called the software. The the uh, the software champions was it soft no it wasn't software excellence champions we're the software excellence champions we got people with power here like high up managers what are we championing how do we go out and champion can I get you to go out and champion some stuff right and the answer back is well I I didn't think that we were here to change culture you no know, culture is exactly what you're going to change because culture is where all your stuff comes out of. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. That, yeah, no, it's good. It's good. It's very passionate. And we love that. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Well, so, so that might be a good segue into how do we improve, right? <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, and 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 again, I, I actually think that you've you've got to start um with you gotta start with the leadership because if they're not on board, you can't you can affect some local change, right? And so so maybe possibly you've got two initiatives that merge at some point. You've got people that are helping to build a little technical practice up on the team, but you you've really got to get in there hard with leadership and help them understand, you know, things like Western culture, your your culture, the things that people do are, are built around the incentive structure. I mean, Kent Beck's been talking about this for years, and he's absolutely correct. It's about incentives. But but there's so many things that you can use as incentives, and some of them are absolutely free, right? As a leader of an organizational unit, you, you have a special currency of your approval, right? People want your approval because you're going to do the reviews or whatnot, right? So the things that you speak into that environment, the things that you act into that environment, you're creating a culture. Just like you said, somebody said, hey, stop here, man. This uh, We're not doing that. We're not doing that. And but so, you know, I don't think that people understand how 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 much speaking and acting it takes. So, you know, if, if what we were talking about is, is if they really thought they were talking about like corporate culture, then um and, and they were good at communicating corporate culture, they would realize that you have to talk about something so much that you're just sick and tired of talking about it for it to actually penetrate, right? And so they, they think, oh, well, we said something one time, and so now people know that they can do that, right? No, yeah. you, you got you to gotta talk about it, you know? Like when you have your skip levels or, or you're talking to people direct, say, hey, how's 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 that transformation going? Are, are you guys learning stuff? That is, is it making you, are you putting that rubber on the road? Is it helping you? Do you need anything else, right? Are you getting the value out of that? Oh, you're having trouble putting it into place? Why is that? What can I do to help you with that, right? Instead yeah. of, and, and, and the, the flip side of that is the example of my guy that goes to his boss and he says, oh, your, your throughput dropped a little bit. Yeah, well, you know, we're working. You started this transformation thing, we're working Ah, delivery is your number one priority. You know, like now you're speaking the wrong thing. Now you're you're actually acting. You're not just speaking. You're acting into the environment, and, and you're putting punitive um, measures in place here to that that it, it's a perverse incentive, right? Yeah, yeah. It's really frustrating. So Western yeah. Western culture. Product thinking, right? Product thinking is so critical. Getting people to understand the difference between just doing some work versus, you know, having a chain of stuff that results in an impact and and, and using techniques like story mapping or journey mapping that help you keep focus on the impact that you're having because that's so critical. I, I don't think people, people who haven't done it don't get it. But when you've got that and you're looking at it, you're looking at um, – how you're looking at the impact that you're having, you're looking at how you're going to get there. And as you work through every piece of that, that knowledge means that you can say, oh, what we probably need to do this. Oh, I bet we don't need that, right? Mm -hmm. It's so powerful. To, that's the reason why we do stuff like this now. Yeah. Um, and, and then, of course, safety, right? Like yeah. leadership, you, you got to start with leadership, though. Because they don't, if they're not create, if they're not doing the things that create the safety, it doesn't exist. Yeah, and, and that's um, yeah, and I'll be I'll be uh, honest here that uh, that kind of coaching from the top stuff is is an area that I know less about and less experienced in, um, and I, I see the value in it. It's just something I don't know much about, and I know, 
And I think at least from the bottom side, you're saying that like you have two things going on, one from the top and one from the bottom, right? And the two kind of merge at one point. And what I do know from the bottom is that it, it's very difficult for someone, you know, take any improvement, right? Um, uh, you know, like you said, uh, diet and exercise or code, code uh, diet and exercise, right? Um, so to speak with uh, XP practices. There, there is that curve where um, you don't necessarily know if it's going to work yet. And I know yeah. from the bottom level, so this is kind of like half-baked kind of brainstorming here, but I know what I've seen from the bottom of it, bottom of the improvement chain is that in an ensemble, you can get people who are willing to try it with you because they're they're in yeah. it with someone else. So they're not alone taking the brunt sure. of the pressure of the system, right? Absolutely. And where you can, I mentioned you here, create that space, right? And so where you <clears throat> you create the space for improvement by actually delivering, right, in a way, you know, and I, and this gets hard when, if they're measuring every, you know, keystroke or something, I don't know how they're measuring throughput, but um, what I've usually seen is from the bottom level, they don't, the, the rest of the system may not care if your delivery is solid, and then you have, then you can create the space within there. And then people catch on like, oh, we're able to deliver and improve and learn and yeah, experiment, yeah, yeah. right? And it, and it almost like you need to be able to do it with someone to have the courage to see what that looks like where you have a happy customer and you have space for improvement, right? <laughs> and so- yeah. And, I, I think I think you have to have an amount of safety to start there, right? Like, right, yeah. I, as I hear you talking about it, there's things like, I, I know you slowed down. There's no way you didn't slow down to do that, right? <laughs> because learning, learning and putting new skills, developing a new skill to the point that you can be effective and it can make you go faster, it, it always slows you down. It's just, it's, you know, there's, it's the J curve, right? Yeah. And so you must, you must have had an, an, an amount of safety. And, 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 and I mean, that's awesome. Not all teams have that. Not all organizations have that, right? There, there's, uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's really sad, but this, I mean, that's awesome. I haven't experienced that. I, I, I guess I'm working with people who are laggards, who are, you know, again, <laughs> large, large organizations, and they've determined that this is going to happen. Um, and, you know, it was interesting in the beginning, um, I, I've, I've always mentored, you know, I've, I've been in this, for, I've been in software for about three decades. I've always mentored, but, you know, getting into coaching, when I first got into coaching, I was like, okay, well, you know, as somebody was telling me, it's, oh, it's, it's, it's like baseball. You know, I'm like, swish the bug, swish the bug. Somebody <laughs> was, you know, like, like you're just there, do it, do it like this. It, it, that, that doesn't work, you know. I wish I had a piece of rope. It's like I, I had, uh, 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 you know, if, if you, if you, if you, if you push something, this is what happens when you push rope, right? If you, <laughs> if you, if you pull it, it works better. Right. If they're pulling, then that works. But when you push, I mean, you may be able to get them to do some stuff when you're with them, but you're going to you're going to lose every person. Right. And and forget about actually trying to affect. So I, and I, I think every new coach starts out there. You know, they're like, oh, just do it like just do it like, oh, what's your problem? Just do it like that. But you've got to develop the empathy and the ability to look at it and say, like, um, Hey, uh, and, and and kind of take people through it. Hey, what if we tried it like this? Like you're really close. If you did it like this, here's what you would see out of that, right? And 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 oh, did did you want me to show you? Oh, here. So let me show you, right? Yeah. And if if you can sit down and partner with them, then it, it makes it easier. But there's still, you know, it, it's been so long for me. I have to I have to stop and think. Like, why is learning so hard? 
and you stop and thinking about what, like, well, the first thing you do is you're like, okay, I'm going to do the thing. And then your next thought is not like that. What was that? How was I supposed to do this? Oh, I was, was going to do it like that. Okay. Right. Now, now, when you've got a bunch of people together, it's much easier because you can, the, the ensemble can help you through it. Right. If you've got a coach there, somebody that really knows what's going on, they can help you through it. Um, but but it, it takes, uh, however you get there, uh, there's going to be some degree of slowdown because it's just the inertia of of that behavioral inertia. You've got to break it. You're building a new habit, right? Yeah, right? And 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 the way that we behave is based on context. Uh, they, they say psychologically, they say that the things that the things that uh, fire together wire together, right? And and it's it's about a context. So you take. Um, actually, I think this is why process is easier to change than than things that developers do. Because when you look at process, you're looking at things we do once a day or we do a couple of times a sprint, right? And so the behavioral inertia is not as as strong there. But you look at stuff that a developer does, and they're doing something like hundreds of times a day, you know, maybe thousands. And so you, you've got so much inertia there to overcome, um, just to 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 break through. I think that's part of why, and people don't get that, but I think it's part of what makes it so much more difficult to, and, and it's all nuance. It's so much more nuanced, right? Sorry. I just. Oh yeah, absolutely. So, 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 so you've got leadership and I actually, I actually think you got to start with leadership. And the next thing you need is, is technical competence. You, you, you've got to have an amount of technical competence, right? And mm. so you've got to work with the team and help them understand how to command, um, you know, what does safety look like? How do we get there? What does good code quality look like? How do we get things, uh, how do we bring that that shipping time down? How do we practice continuous delivery, right? And um, and, and then because there's, there, you, you need the team to have the technical competence to be able to pivot in the context of, whatever larger thing is going on across maybe multiple teams in the organization. But if they don't have the technical ability to pivot and to be flexible, then all you have is a mess. You have a trait. You have the way that things are working for you right now today, right? Low technical competence, things meeting integration, nothing works. Yeah. And, but then once you've got that, if you can get organizational clarity down and, and people learn to work together, now they've got the technical competence, right? They, they understand how to pivot in the minutiae. And, and so the context changing around them, now they can pivot and, and, and they don't wind up with a mess in integration because technical competence. <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think you're right. I mean, I think ideally... Um, go slow to go fast, like you're talking about. If you can establish that space, that 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 is a hundred percent key. Um, and we are we are somewhat running out of time, but I, I do have kind of a a half baked hypothesis that I'm kind of uh, playing around with, and maybe it'll turn into another talk or something or another experiment of some kind. But the idea is that if you are delivering daily, um and you interact daily with your customer or product person or whatever, mm -hmm. that space comes naturally, right? Because it's like, oh, today is what we hear what we delivered for you. And mm -hmm. this is what we're working on next. And tomorrow I deliver something to you. And every day you're delivering something. Mm -hmm. And if you're able to deliver uh, every day, there is no perceived loss of throughput, right? 
Um, sure. but yeah. yeah, but in that day, you might in the ensemble or however you're working, there might be time where you're saying like, Hey, let's pause a second and try a different way to do it. Right. Or something like sure, that. Sure, right. Sure, sure. And so I, I haven't, you know, I've only been able to try places I've been, but it, it is a hypothesis I'd like to explore more, but I do agree with you hundred percent that if you can get the space to slow down to improve that, that makes sense. Right. It's kind of like, uh, you know, in, in any other space, that's what makes sense, right? Like, oh, you know, we're going to become stronger as a sports team, like a football team. And so we're going to, yeah. we're going to lift more weights. Well, you can't lift weights. And then in the same day, you know, have a perfect game execution, you're going to be worn out, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I, I definitely hear you. And I, I see the value of uh, coaching Ted, from the top as well. Yeah. Ted Lasso. Right? Ted Lasso. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you guys yeah. aren't watching Ted Lasso, but this pivot into uh, what was it? Total football was that the the thing that they're doing now? It was <laughs> yeah, really, it it just made me think about ensemble working. Right? Like, <laughs> both uh, both Moneyball and Ted Lasso have been. Uh, rec- I've watched Moneyball, but I've not watched Ted Lasso. Uh, oh, you should watch Ted Lasso. But uh, yeah, I hear that all the time. <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, I, I think it'd probably be good to wrap up here. Um, uh, so is there anything that you'd like to plug or share before we close out the show? Uh, you know, I would say, Hey, my buddy, Bob Allen does co-craft Saturdays and Sundays once a month. You should go. If you want to plug into XP practices a little bit and make some good, uh, uh, get plugged into a great network of people. Um, I, I'm, I'm on, uh, a Twitch, uh, twitch.com craftsmanship counts. I'll give you a link. Um, and we're, we're doing a stream most Saturdays. Uh, around uh, or it's kind of a a, a text based dungeon that uh, that we're doing. Uh, nice. We're doing that in Java with Cucumber and, nice. and uh, yeah, it's it's really interesting. It's been very interesting. Good group there. Um, and uh, well, I, I don't know what else it would be. Um, okay. Obviously, uh, keep up with the mob mentality show. Oh, thank you, thank you very much. <laughs> well, uh, far, right. <laughs> yeah. So to to all our viewers um, and listeners, you know, if if you know somebody that maybe is going through, uh, you know, changes in their organization or maybe trying to uh, understand more about craftsmanship and things like that, uh, then recommend this episode to them. Uh, get them uh, listening to the show. Uh, like, subscribe, uh, ring the notification bell. Um, you know, and uh, Eddie, thanks for joining us. And uh, to our listeners, thanks for listening and looking forward to next time. Bye, everybody. And if you're if you're looking for a technical coach, give me a call because right. I'm looking for a gig for a gig. All right. Awesome. Awesome. Right on. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Hey, guys. Thanks, everybody.